Hi, welcome to the Winners Find A Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello, this is Dred Clark. Welcome to the Winners Find a Way Show. I am your host, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, international speaker, longtime coach in professional baseball, coaching in three World Series. And I have got an awesome show today with two of best. My buddies here, Dave Zumpano and Guy Raymond. Raymond, right? Raymond, yes. yes. Raymond. Raymond. There's no why. We Americans, we can't get it right, right? <laughs> Raymond. Listen, I, honestly, I get Gary Redmond is the name I get called the most often. <laughs> Gary, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, listen, you are going to love this episode. We got from both sides of the pond here with Dave. Where, Dave, you in Florida? I'm in Florida currently. My main office is in uh, in New York, obviously, central New York, Syracuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Dave, the, the ultimate New Yorker here, and I got a guy from the other side of the pond over in Manchester. In right? Manchester. That's right, yeah. and he's a big city fan, so come on, bring yeah. it on, folks. You know, like that, so all you United weekend. folks, you can get off right now. <laughs> but welcome to the show, guys. Super excited to have you. For those who don't know, Winners Find a Way is our show. If you have ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting, you need to find a better way, well, I think you came to the right place, whether you're already an entrepreneur, athlete, founder, or, or just looking to take you to the next level to elite performance. I think this is the perfect podcast for you. We talk to one percenters all around the world, uh, multiple diversities, and it's awesome. So this will be no less of another awesome episode, and I'm super excited about it. So let's break in a little bit to first, guys, tell where they can find you. Dave, where can they find you online? My personal email is always the easiest, dzampano at eplawcenter.com, Eli Keiko, P like Papa. Uh, that's my original company I started, which was my law firm. And then um, I think that's probably the easiest. And then there's always dzampano at guider.legal. Nice. Okay, good. And then uh, you're on LinkedIn, all that good stuff, LinkedIn right? LinkedIn and all that. Facebook. Yeah. You I'm, got I'm it. pretty all easy right. to find. You got type it. it up as long as I don't come up with America's Most Wanted, you'll be good. As long as that picture doesn't come up, we're good. That's uh, Dean Zumpano, right? Like he's on America's <laughs> Time. <laughs> An alien. Yeah. Guy, tell us a little, a little bit where they can find you. So uh, I'll do like Dave. I'll give you my personal email address, uh, which is Guy, G-U-Y, and then Remond, R-E-M-O-N-D, at gmail.com. Uh, and again, like Dave, same rules apply for the guider.legal address, which is G Remond, R E M O N D, at guider.legal. G U I D R. Yes. G U I D R. Yeah. Yeah. Guider. Yes. And We're on LinkedIn, just my name, Guy Remond. I'm pretty unique. I don't think there's any other Guy Remonds in the world. So I'm even easier to find than Dave. And I definitely am not on the uh, the, the FBI most wanted. But we, we did find out there was a Guy Redmond, though, because I had a whole exchange yeah. in one day and I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, Guy, what is wrong? He goes, Are you sure you're talking to the right person? That's funny. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, guy, it's it's Interpol over there, right? You're not an FBI guy. It's Interpol. So like In, uh, Interpol this is a European thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen. Pleasure to have you guys on. Let's let's just talk. Let's start, guy. We're gonna start with you. Grew up there. Eleven year stint. You know, various manager positions. Then you go CEO of Cake Solutions Limited. Recognized as Deloitte UK Technology Fast Fifty which is pretty cool. Then you've invested in all these companies, actively working these companies as a non-executive director or chairman role, right? And then you're helping them lead the, in the leadership drive to successful outcomes, which is critical, like you had with uh, Cake Solutions. That, uh, and you did that over 16 years. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I literally, when I started, knew nothing about business. I mean, literally nothing. I'd come out, really come out of the corporate world, retail corporate world, and you know, you kind of work within certain confines there and there's limited ability to to affect margins in any huge way. And, you know, you were just you just had to work in a particular way and uh, running your business was just so different. And uh, honestly, you know, I kind of made it up as I went along. And, you know, fortunately, our roles were clear. I, I set the business up in 2001 with a guy called Rob Harrop. Uh, he turned out to be a brilliant technologist. And one of the reasons why we kind of got together, he looked after the technology side. I looked after the commercial side. I knew nothing about the commercial side, right? So I learned as I went along. And, you know, one of the things I can do now with the companies that I work with, these high growth companies, is just help them avoid some of the mistakes that I made along the way and, you know, hopefully get them to where they want to get to a lot quicker. How did you guys meet and uh, was Guider the original kind of premise for you guys moving forward together for you and Dave? So we met across a lunch table, didn't we, in Toronto, Dave? We were introduced by a British guy called Ash Fora. And, and basically, Ash had been speaking to Dave, um, knew he needed some help from a tech point of view. And he just, you know, introduced us. Dave just said his opening line was, I, I won't try and insult the New York population by doing the accent. He just said, I, I need a tech guy. And so we got chatting and we didn't have long to talk, actually, but we, we kind of got on. And Dave, at the end of the day, came to see me. He had to rush to get a plane, I think, but came to see me gave me his business card and that was in September, October, 2019. And actually that was the last time we've ever met in person because of COVID. Just so excited that I'm going over on, uh, flying over on Sunday and to meet Dave wow. and the team. Dave for the second time, the yeah. team in New York for the first time next week. And we've got a full week of strategy stuff, which I'm really looking forward to. That's kind of our story. That's how we met. And we actually went through four or five name iterations until we came to Guider that we really liked. And, you know, the when the IP lawyers did their bit, you know, it appears that everything was um, was OK to, to use that name and so on. So, yeah. That's the story, you know, really. I would even add to the story another dimension because that's the high level. One of the things as an entrepreneur that I've learned over the years is my favorite four-letter word, and that is E-A-S-Y, easy. Mm. If it's not easy, pay attention. And what I mean, I'm not saying easy like it's not hard to build a business. I'm saying, are you getting roadblocks everywhere? So I want to just, I want to go into the micro detail of Guy and I. We literally had a 15-minute lunch. Now, when I said I need a tech guy, I didn't really put in that his name had a B guy, but it just turned out to be that way, right? So then I said, guy, listen, we'll set up a 30-minute call. We'll talk about it. If it's worth a second call, we'll set up a second call. We set up a 30-minute call. He's like, yeah, let's have another call. So we scheduled an hour call. Okay, we got into that. Okay, let's have another hour call. And by the fourth call, we were doing pro formas and looking at strategy, looking at models and going, okay, I think this is viable. Now, what I mean by that is there's so many times everything becomes an obstacle. And you know, you ever meet those people 
you meet them and everything's a problem, mm. right? And there's always a reason why there's a challenge. With Guy and I, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 60 minutes, 60 minutes, bam, let's figure out, go, let's go. Okay, how would we go? Not to oversimplify this guy, but we've been doing that for now two and a half years, right? We've just been getting on to the next call. We've yep. been running the company, building the team, yep. rolling it out nationally, you know, six months ago. And we've been doing it all on Guy and I have one hour calls a week. And, That's awesome. Uh, E-A-S-Y, when it's the right people. I think it's a good point of the winners find a way, right? Like I, I think a lot of people that are recognizing right now in behaviors, you know, some of the losing behaviors, everything's an obstacle. The smallest things seem like a major obstacle. And you're like, is that really an obstacle? Is that going to slow us down? Like, you know, could it hinder a little bit for a small moment? Sure. But what's the way around it, over it, under it? How are we going to move through it if necessary? And I think that's that winners find a way attitude for sure. So let's let's dive into how you got to Guider, Dave, because, you know, Syracuse Law back in the 90s, then you find the Estate Law Planning Center. I mean, not long after you got out of law school, then you get in the estate in uh, the estate planning industry with the IPUG Protection Trust, which yeah. is you know, still rolling along, right? And huge. And that was back in 2000. Now we're 22 years into that and credited, you know, with the Medicaid practice for lawyers in America. That was also a huge deal. And then also continue the innovation with this cloud-based law practice management system, yeah. right? So getting into software technology isn't new to you. And then you come in and like, hey, I need Guy, I need this team to develop Guider, this digital, easy to use client interface platform. And talk to me a little bit about just your walk through all of that. It's really <laughs> been focused from a state from pretty early on. Yeah. The funniest story is I came out of law school as a CPA and I went to work for a regional insurance defense firm. Imagine that. I had no interest in litigation, but they had what I called the big fat gray haired guy in the corner who had this big filing cabinet full of wills from you know his 40 years of practice. So I was brought in to do the estate planning. Well, after two years, I was their most successful new hire. Uh, I was fresh out of law school, but I had grown up in an entrepreneurial family. I grew up in a family business and things like that. So for me, I, it was just natural to me. Well, the funniest thing is after two years of success there, they fired me, but it's a funny story. They said, Dave, we love you, but you have to leave. Please take all of your clients with you, and will you stay of counsel to my firm, our firm, to do all of our estate planning? Why? They're insurance defense people. They're lawyers. They're scared to death. They didn't know what I was doing. They're afraid of malpractice, which mm. goes full circle right into the guider world, right, guy? <laughs> That's the well, guy and I have found with lawyers now. They're scared to death of technology, and it, it paralyzes lawyers. So I started my own law firm doing the estate planning law center, which was estate planning, and, and it was just going gangbusters. And so... I was just succeeding, but I had no one. I had, didn't have a bat, big, fat, gray-haired guy in the corner. So I found this national organization of lawyers that just do estate planning. And it was back in the day, we're talking 1999, they had this really thing, neat thing called a listserv where you could type a question and all these other lawyers from around the country would answer it yes. within minutes. I mean, it was like the coolest thing. I'm not alone. Well, then we would meet every quarter somewhere in the country, East Coast, West Coast, Central, would rotate, and there would be a week of training and you know different things. And within a year, I was identified as the one of the outstanding lawyers in the country on practice management. So they asked me to train their members on what I was doing. And that's what got started with the Medicaid practice program, where I said, well, I'm doing Medicaid. And they said, well, you can't do Medicaid. That's for poor people. I said, well, no, 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 no. It's a whole different application. So that was my first innovation in law. Then the IPUG Protection Trust was a whole different way of looking at asset protection that was not as restrictive as that lawyers had become accustomed to due to the tax rules. So the I, 
my clients weren't concerned about the tax rules. They're worried about asset protection. So not getting into too much detail there, I started evolving and then created a company called Medicaid Practice Systems, which evolved into Lawyers with Purpose, which has been a membership organization helping lawyers learn to do what I did. What's it all based on? Trent, going again, again back to winners always find a way. The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I, yes. I did something different when I read that book. I actually started living it. And I'll never forget it. Starting in 1999, when I read it, every quarter, I would build new systems. I remember the first system I built was, how do I manage an intake call? What are the paths that goes to? So I created processes, right? The processes, the steps. Then the systems is how do you get from step to step? So over 22 years now of just continuing enhancing systems, we built a whole technology platform. And we were the first people to have this workflow systems in the estate planning area, in the legal industry. So that was my next innovation. And then I brought it into the cloud in 2013 by partnering with a company called ActionStep and bringing the whole practice management system into the cloud. Then my frustration was my lawyers still were struggling with technology. And then I saw what was happening with the big self-help legal sites, LegalZoom, WillsandTrust.com, all these yep. things who are having literally one site alone is, is promoting that they're about to hit their 5 millionth client. And when you think about that, that's 5 million people that went to a non-lawyer for lawyer services. And I'm a lawyer and I'm in the estate uh, planning industry and I my job is to help what makes lawyers successful. So I was like, we have to uh, hit this head on. Listen, uh, Dan Sullivan, where the guy and I met, always said, pay attention to the check writers. The people doing their plans or do, get, setting up their LLCs, if they're going to these big self-help websites, they're sending a loud message. Lawyers... We're not listening. So I started with two other ways before I met Guy. I tried it with another individual. We tried to develop it on our own. We couldn't. Then I found another big tech company. They built it, but it wasn't robust enough. I tell you the truth, that was my third and out. I'm going to give one more try. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'm just going to move on to something else. And that third try was Guy. And um, from there, it was easy because we had two different skill sets with the same core values. And I think that's another thing. I know Guy... The funny thing is Guy and I built this entire company on a handshake. Sounds crazy. We never exchanged money. We both utilized our own monies to contribute toward what we were building together. Eventually, we got the lawyers involved and got it all legal. But again, if we, my mother always said, again, my mother ran the family business that grew 37-fold over 25 years. She said, if you can't put your hand across the table and shake hands and look someone in the eye and trust that person, then you shouldn't be going any further. And that's what I felt like it was with Guy. It was kind of like a match made in heaven. We had the same core values. And we're both successful enough on our own at this point that we didn't need each other, right? It wasn't about need. It was about want. What do we want to do to impact and change for others? And that, and Guy saw it and I saw it. And, and again, anyone who does it knows we're just the front people. We have a great team of people that, you know, see the vision and enroll others into the vision and, and help build all the pieces and parts out. Well, I love that. And then, of course, you guys haven't been together for two years. First of all, I was worried you were going to say Guy was the you know gray-haired fat guy in the corner. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> I was like, man, Guy's going to drop off the call in the first 10 minutes. So then you guys put out this digitization of law. Is that a book? Yeah. Um, so you authored a book. <laughs> the two years you're working on this stuff, and you're not even together, right? You're just working on this and knocking well, it out. Yeah, you know, it's like any of these things. It's all about collaboration, not just the collaboration between Dave and I, but collaborations between organizations that can help you do this and people that can help you do these things quicker and easier. So we actually used a company who interviewed Dave and I over Zoom. So uh, based in the UK, actually, as it happens, 
but you know there's other companies that that do these things all over the world you know we put together the chapter list all the content that we wanted to to talk about and then they interviewed us and we probably had eight to ten zoom interviews for an hour then editor put the put the text together and um, we then take a look at it we, we go through a bit of a process where you try and put your own personalized bits into it and, and your own stamp on it as it were um but you know what it allowed us to to write the book and i'm not kidding you in three months from start to finish that book which i'm proud of by the way oh great we wrote in three months with the help of a company that specializes in doing these things it, it so brings cool. back the easy they were so good at what they did they when i read the first draft i'm like I, it was like I wrote it. It was like because they did. They took our words and they got to know us. And it is. I think it's, today, I think more than any, and I think Guy would agree, there's someone out there for everything today. Yeah, you got to look, right? And there is somebody that specializes yeah. in the expert. Let's let's take this back, Guy. Let's jump back into, you know, you growing up in England. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, you said you started in like corporate America. Was the mantra for you as a kid, like go to university get educated, get a good job, have a career. And then all of a sudden you're doing that, right? Which is what probably I was told. I don't know, Dave, we were kind of told that in America, that was kind of the path. But if your parents are entrepreneurs like Dave and I are, and I don't know about yours guy, but like you see people doing it a different way. And tell me a little bit about like, as a kid, did you see yourself, Hey, owning businesses, investing, you know, helping people with their estate and these lawyers with, you know, how they do law better. Tell me how you saw that as a kid. No, I, I mean, I literally had no idea. And, you know, my, my parents weren't entrepreneurs, actually. My, my mum was a was a teacher and then became a head teacher. And she, you know, she was actually quite quite a force because back in those days, becoming a head teacher as a woman was not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And she did. And she did that whilst having me and my sister as well. And, you know, didn't take huge amount of time off work. And she, she never had a, a day off sick in her life you know, um, while she was working, just, you know, uh, uh, look, you know, like Dave was saying with his mum, a bit of a force of nature. And my dad had a, you know, he was a, he, he sold ingredients for plastics, you know, and uh, that's what he did. He was, you know, and it was, a, we were a kind of a middle-class family and, you know, it, it was a really nice childhood, no, nothing spectacular, um, but certainly not deprived at all. Yes, you're right. I mean, what I didn't know, right. So here's my little story. I found this out when I was early 30s that I was dyslexic and actually quite heavily dyslexic, which kind of explained why I was in the, I'm trying to phrase it better, but I'm just going to say it. I was in the thick class um, at school. Yeah, I was. And, you know, we call it, yeah, yeah, and, we call it remedial, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. we, you know, at school, we called it the thick class. And, but, it, you know, looking back, it was because I was just really poor at communicating because I couldn't put stuff down on paper in the way yeah. that my head was thinking. And it just it came out really badly. It just looked poor, you know, because when you do traditional school exams and the, the education system is broken, in my view, you know, yes. there's so much more we could do with people who aren't, you know, typically academic people, but are still brilliant at certain things. And schools aren't very good, in my opinion, identifying what people are good at, their unique ability, and actually encouraging that and, and helping them grow in that way. So if you don't fit the standard kind of academic route, which I didn't, then you don't necessarily do that well at school. And I did okay. I got five over levels in all my friends were getting nine and ten. 
Uh, I, I actually stayed on, did A-levels. I got two E's, which is the lowest mark before a fail. And I got a C, which I was really pleased with, right? So that was excellent. Um, I could have gone to university, but I actually chose not to because I think, again, you know, I, I love playing sport at school. Every lunch, I, I went to school to play sport, right? And yeah. I love playing soccer and football, we call it. Every lunch did you, time. Did you see that? Like, did you see that? Was, was that a goal for you at one time? Like, hey, life on the pitch? Like, no, I was never that good. No, yeah. no. I mean, I was, <laughs> I I was average. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that awareness. I was, I was full of endeavor and yeah. effort and I was a good defender and basically no one got past me so I either tackle them with the ball or tackle them without the ball one yeah. of the two so I was, yeah. I was a typical British defender in yeah. uh, in, in those days yeah. um, not, and afraid, listen, not afraid of a red card that's clearly not yeah. no 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 it's quite hard to get a red card at school and uh, but yeah I was okay at sport uh, but I didn't excel at it it was never going to be something I was going to make a career in and I kind of knew that I, but I enjoyed it I've done sport all my life so I, I at 17 actually I was I was young for my class year. I, I left school and, and went out to work and, and really enjoyed myself. And, you know, the bottom line is that every single job I've had, I've worked really hard at. I've tried my hardest. I've been mm. good at some stuff, average at other stuff, but I've never been bad at anything, I don't think. Not in the careers I've chosen, but I actually found my calling when I started the business. It was really tough to start with because I had no training. I had no idea. I learned from making mistakes. But you know, I absolutely love what I do now, and I wouldn't trade it in, even through the difficult times. And there were plenty of those as well. Look at the dichotomy of Guy and I, yep. and yet we sit in the same place. Someone yep. who did not go the university route, yep. me, college, CPA, law school, lawyer, right? Yep. All the traditional things, but both entrepreneurs. There's so many journeys there. You know, yep. no one ever has to say, well, that's not for me because of X. Baloney. Yep. Yep. I love our picture. Our story is a great story. It, yep. it's by, by, by being who we are, just shares what's possible for anyone. For sure. I, I would also argue, too, that, you know, as we talk about skills that we have, and we and I believe we all have God-given talents, and, and also there's things that we don't get, right? But what happens is, is like, hey, these trials raise up other skills, right? My guess is that guy is an absolute doer. Like he has learned to do a bunch of things because he's not going to read about it. And now I think like as you talk about education system, I would have never looked at YouTube 20 years ago and gone, hey, you want to see a video of how to do something? I didn't know that was, it was going to be used for. I thought people were going to make stupid cat videos, right? And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, you want to learn how to change a tire on your car? You want to learn how to balance your checkbook? You want to learn how to raise $14 million? Like It's like, wait, what? It's all on YouTube, right? And you can watch video. People can educate you through audio or I can go do it. There's, we've learned that there's so many different ways to learn that book reading, while valuable, is not just, that's just one medium, right? There's lots of ways to learn and upskilling other ways. My guess, Guy has served you in tons of other ways by you going to put your head down and getting this great thing that so so many kids today lack called experience. Yeah, do you know, I mean, one thing I would say, Trent, that I haven't mentioned so far is that I think we, you know, Dave and I are great believers in mindsets. And, and certainly one of mindset is uh, one of an opportunistic one. So I've never had a plan in life, literally never had a plan. But what I've done is when there have been opportunities where I've gone, do you know, that sounds kind of cool. I'm going to try it. And I take the risk and I try it. And nothing I've done has been planned. You know, 
even you know when I left school it was like right okay what do I do now so I applied for a few jobs and retail seemed like you didn't really need any particular skill set to be a retailer so <laughs> nice you know <laughs> so I went there and what I learned there the big thing I learned in retail is you know I was working in stores with 350 people and managing pretty sizable teams and I learned how to manage people at a really young age that served me amazingly throughout my life you know my yes. biggest core skill is actually now I've done this unique ability day and you know you find out a little bit about yourself on that day that one of my core skills is building unique teams and I realized that I'm only good at certain things and the stuff I'm not good at and the stuff I don't enjoy I bring in other people to to help me with those who actually enjoy doing it and are really good at those things and, and that's one of the key principles I now live my life by and that has allowed me to move from wor working within one organization and one company and doing you know a role within that company to working across at the moment eight different companies two of which I own in, you know uh, with business partners and and still do them justice in my opinion as well yeah. Dave, I want, to, I want to come back to this risk thing because I think it's really important. But Dave, talk to me about you, man. Like, you know, you saying, hey, I'm a central New York kid that, you know, hey, I'm going to go and light Manhattan on fire as a lawyer in my life, you know, and wait till they get me and I'm going to be, you know, setting courtrooms on fire. Is that what you thought when you were a kid? What were you thinking? <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I was um, so my parents were in the wholesale food business and they were Italian importers. Right. By my last yep. name, I'm not Irish, but, but although I did my DNA, I have some English in me, guys. But, uh, but I remember we used to pack spices. We'd have these big 100-pound barrels of oregano and parsley. We had to put them in little bottles, you know. Bottle. And that was that we had. A, and I remember I was five and six years old. I, was, I would get paid for my parents a quarter a case. And my old, I was the youngest of 10 kids. My mother had, you ready for this? For any woman, you're going to cr cringe. My mother had 11 children in 12 years, no twins. Okay. So when you think about that, nine of them were boys. <laughs> so all my older siblings, when they got in doing that packing, that spicing, they weren't like me. I set up system. I would organize. They would do one bottle at a time. And I would unload 10, 20 cases on the place. I would funnel it all in. I would wipe it down. I'd have a system. And, I'd, and by the time I was done, I had the tallest stack. And I was the youngest child, right? So part of it, I think, is innate. I got a you know paper route. I did it one day a week, and I made more money than my neighbor friend who was the same age as me who did it six days a week. I trained my clients to, to leave the money. I would collect once a month instead of once a week. All these little things. But I learned it from observing. So Guy learned on the job. He learned life's lessons. I watched my mom and dad run a company, and in 25 years that they ran it, while I was growing up, they increased it 37-fold. My mom ran the business. She was the numbers person. She was like the executive. My dad, everybody loved him. He was the sales guy. I was blessed to get a little bit of both, right? And so I just, that was my life I had growing up, so I just started to apply it. I was in the eighth grade, and a family friend business said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, the famous question. I, I said, I have no idea. He says, well, I'm a lawyer. You ought to think about being a lawyer. I'm like, Sure, I'll be a lawyer. And that's kind of what it was, but not the litigating type. Although I was always a talker, so everybody thought I was going to be a litigator. Oh, my God. Yes. He's always talking himself out of everything. But I don't like confrontation. I, I want to right. solve problems. I don't, I don't want to be – I want to take people who are conflicting. I'm great at uh, resolutions. Having two sides that are challenged, I've always been good at helping them find a happy medium going forward. And so that's kind of where I – like Guy says, you got to find your strength. So my strength has always been – helping others see the greatness in themselves and play into their possibility. 
That's kind of my thing. So guys great at building teams. I'm good at setting vision, helping enroll people into things they didn't know were possible. Those are the things that I like to do. I say, look, anything's possible. Like guy and I talking here, anything's possible. And there's no one path. It's mindset. And my mother, you know, and again, my mother was a strong influence. As Guy said, his mother, outliers, right? My mother took over the family business and was the CEO and owner in 1965. There was no woman-owned businesses back then, right? Yeah, right. What she always said was probably the best advice I ever got. She always said, put your head down, work hard. There's the next magic part. Give people more than they expect and Mm. the rest will happen. And that's the biggest thing I've found over the years is you've got to focus on them, not you. If you Mm -hmm. focus on you and what you want, it's like being on a treadmill. When you really understand what the need is, identifying the need in the marketplace, whatever that need is, when Guy was doing that grocery store, wherever he was at, his need was to get those that team united. Find the need and solve the need. You know, And I think that's the thing. Head down, work hard, give people more than they expect. Get into their perspective. Be a value creator. If you create value, you'll never work a day in your life and you'll never want a day in your life. People will seek you out. Love that. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Thank you for listening to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast. Trent, together with the leaders who shared their learning and experiences through this show, are grateful for allowing them to help and support you on your journey to becoming your best. Write a review, rate us five stars, and share this episode to your network.